Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Kevin Ingram, the play-by-play voice for Vanderbilt Basketball. Kevin was in Lexington calling the game last night as Vanderbilt fell 77-70 to to Kentucky. So with that, let's get right to our interview with Kevin Ingram. Kevin Ingram joins us fresh off a long car ride home from Lexington last night where Vanderbilt fell on a close one. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Hope you're well. Oh, anytime, Chris. Glad to do it. Well, it was pretty interesting in Lexington last night. Vandy didn't get a win, but it was interesting in the final minute or two. And I think at this point, given who you're playing, it's about all you can ask. Yeah, I thought Vanderbilt uh, really acquitted itself well in that game. Uh, It feels like it sets up for this month of February where the schedule really gets tough. Uh, Going back to last month when Kentucky played in Nashville, uh, the, the final score might not have been indicative of what the game was like. Vanderbilt scored the last 16 points, but, uh, it was really close the whole way this time. Kentucky led by 10 at halftime. Vanderbilt hit a three going to the locker room. But then coming out of the break, the Commodores went on a quick little 12-3 to run and got right back in the game. They cut it all the way down to one. They never could really tie it or go in front. But the game was very physical. It was hotly contested at times. Each coach got a technical. Uh, John Calipari got one in the first half, and Jerry Stackhouse got one in the second half. You had some flagrant one calls. You had some some bloody noses and some some banging around. Like I say, it was a really, really physical game. But uh, I thought Vanderbilt really, in a lot of ways, played one of its best games of the season. Uh, came up short by seven. Uh, Kentucky won 177-70. But uh, I thought overall, really good performance by Vanderbilt up in Lexington last night. Yeah, was that part of the strategy to kind of muck up the game, or is that just how it played out? Maybe a little bit of both. I think that was part of the strategy because when you have Oscar Shibway, like Kentucky does, you want to keep him from just going crazy on the boards. He, he got 17 rebounds, but it felt like Vanderbilt actually did a pretty good job on him in, in that department. Uh, they put a body on him a lot. I thought Quentin Laura Brown did, did a good job when he was in the game. We saw a first appearance for Liam Robbins, another big body you can put in there to try to deal with Shibway, but when he got the ball on offense, they really collapsed on him. On defense, they really tried to to be as physical as they could and keep him from just going crazy on the glass. I thought they did a good job keeping him from going crazy on the offensive glass. He had four offensive rebounds, but it wasn't like he was playing volleyball like he does some games where he just gets you know chance after chance. And it was interesting. Vanderbilt actually led overall in rebounds in the game, 37-30. For a Kentucky team that averages, and this is a remarkable stat, Kentucky gives up less than 30 rebounds per game. Uh, I can't remember seeing that very often in, in years of doing games. But, yeah, it was really physical, and, and I think that probably was part of the plan, was to go in there and you know and, and show that you mean business and, and, and make it a physical game, and Vanderbilt did that last night. Well, the, there's two obvious storylines we can get into with Scottie Pippen Jr. and Liam Robbins. But before that, I feel like we've got to mention Quentin Malore Brown, who just continues to brown bag it every night. And really, he's plus 13 last night. Uh, That was the best of anybody on the floor other than Davion Mintz, and that came in 23 minutes. That guy just gives him his all night in and night out. He he really does, Chris. And I I think he's – I would say he's the most improved player on Vanderbilt's team and maybe one of the most improved in the SEC. Uh, Had 7.7 boards. He's a good passer, too. He just does a lot of things. And, um, you know, he, he moves around well. 
you know, you can get it to him and he'll make a little jump hook or, you know, score inside or, you know, get a layup or a slam on a screen roll. Uh, struggled a little bit at the free throw line, but game in and game out, he really gives this team some nice production. He, he's a just a, a really cool guy if you talk to him. I mean, he's, he's an engineering student and, uh, you know, he's finishing up his degree and just an interesting uh, dude to talk to. But, yeah, he, he's really having a nice season for this group. Liam Robbins is back, and he looked gassed a lot of the the time, which that's not being judgmental. It's just what happens when you are out as long as he's been out. But certainly seemed to make a little bit of an impact on the floor defensively just with his size when he was in there. Yeah, he um, got his first minutes. He went in pretty early in the first half, and that was the first time we had seen him in a Vanderbilt uniform. And you're, you're talking about a guy who hasn't played in a game in a year. Uh, that, that's a long stretch uh, between – game action and as we all know it's you can go out there and practice all you want but it's not the same as being out there uh, you know against an opponent going up and down the floor at full speed um i i think it was good no matter how it went for him last night and you know he's in there trying to deal with maybe the best player in college basketball at oscar shibway and uh he, he got four fouls he, he you know, picked up a couple rebounds uh didn't score a basket but he, he played 13 minutes i thought more than anything again no matter how it went he just needed to get out there and play some and run up and down the floor and kind of, you know, work up a lather like you do when you, you play in an actual game. I think that's going to serve him well going forward. If they can get some production out of him in any shape or form, it's really going to serve this team well. And you, you think about what this team might have been like if you could have had Liam Robbins and, and Rodney Chapman healthy throughout the entire season. Uh, maybe have a couple more wins on that side of the column. So uh, looking forward to seeing what's ahead for Liam. He'd been practicing for a while and Jerry Stackhouse had told us a few weeks ago it's probably going to be early February uh, where we might have a chance to see him. And February arrives, and uh, number 21 was on the court up at Rupp last night. How how long is it realistically for before he can get back in position where he can play 20 to 25 competitive minutes? That just seems like, man, that's one of those things if you could, if you could just will it to happen, it would have happened a long time ago because you're just watching him going, man, you've – You've got a ways to get back to to where you need to be. Again, not not judging the kid. It is what it is, and that would be the case for anybody. But I'm just wondering when a realistic timeline is where they can have him is is more of Liam Robbins in the in, in the way that he's shown he can be. Yeah, I think that's sort of the the question around him is how long will it take? Uh, you got to think it's going to be a little bit. I mean, he's a really good player in Minnesota. He's a versatile guy. He can uh, he can step outside and make a shot. Uh, hit a three. He, he's a good passer, uh, and like you say, just a big body. I mean, he's looking at him. He's you know, seven feet and two fifty out there with Shibway, who's you know a big dude, and he 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 was quite a bit taller than Shibway. Watching them uh, either battling on the block or lining up for free throws, but yeah, I think it's it's probably going to be a minute. And that's sort of been the thing too. Is like, well, you look forward to having him back, but he's not going to come in and be a dominant force right away. It's going to take him a while to, to really get rolling and, and be up to speed. So I, I guess that'll be something to watch over this final, say, five weeks or so of this season. Okay, Scotty Pippen Jr. had, in many ways, one of his signature games last night. 37 minutes, 11 of 23 from the field, 9 of 12 from the line. Six boards, draws eight fouls, scores 33 points, uh, five assists, unfortunately six turnovers. Uh, but you don't often see a a guy put up 33 and Rupp that's not wearing blue. <laughs> yeah. Scotty had two great games against Kentucky. He scored 32 in the first meeting, so 65 points over, over two matchups. 
Uh, he's so good at drawing fouls and getting to the free throw line. Uh, went nine out of twelve from the stripe last night. But yeah, he's he, he had a had a good game, and I, I think he's one of those guys too that. He really likes to perform when the stage is the biggest. I mean, your two best games of the season are against Kentucky. And actually, he's i mean—he's had a bunch of good games this season. I thought the one he played against Georgia actually on Saturday was one of his best. He didn't have 30 points, but he really filled up the stat page. And um, yeah, I, I, it's fun to watch that guy play. I hit a couple of threes, went 11 of 23. And he's one of those dudes, too. I mean, Sometimes early in the game, he'll kind of let the game come to him a little bit. And then sometimes he comes out and he has that look like, I'm going to take this game over from the very start. And uh, yeah, he was he was good throughout the night last night, 37 minutes. Yeah, I didn't get to see the first half last night due to taking my son to basketball practice. I'm watching it on Game Tracker. But, you know, the thing has been, and you saw that this against Georgia, that Chapman's going to take over more of the role. Um, so to play Scotty off the ball more, to keep him rested. <laughs> So that everything doesn't have to go through them all the time. You know, you look at the box score, and it would suggest that's not what happened last night. But how did that play out throughout the evening? Uh, Rodney Chapman, they they pushed his minutes up to 29 last night, and they're still. It feels like they're still managing his minutes coming back from the hamstring injury. But yeah, I, when Chapman's in the game, he pretty much brings the ball off the floor the majority of the time. Uh, Scotty will some if they're in the game together, which which is usually. Uh, but I. I you know, you, you look at the stat sheet and you may not see a whole lot for Rodney Chapman, but I, I feel like he does a lot of things that you don't really notice. He, he plays really good defense. He usually guards the, the best guard on the other team. Uh, he just makes some things happen. He had a couple steals last night and it's just a, a solid veteran presence bringing the ball to the floor and, and you know, making good decisions. So I, I think that's as much as anything, his value. And, you know, if you could get a dozen points out of him and a couple assists, uh, that, that's great. But I, I think just having him out there, uh, it, it, just his presence on the court to take that pressure off Scotty is really big for this team. I'm looking at the box score. They had nine guys play at least 10 minutes last night, actually at least 11 and a half if, if you want to be technical. Has that happened this year in a league game? Uh, it, yeah, it's been a pretty pretty similar rotation to kind of what we saw last night. Uh, you see varying minutes for, for Shane DeZoni. He's had games where he's played double figures, and last night he was only out there for four minutes. I think a lot of it always has to do with how well these guys play defensively. It's funny to watch these teams this time of year when coaches really know what they have, and they've seen several conference games, and they're starting to tighten that rotation up a little bit. But, yeah, I, I think the guys we saw last night are pretty much the guys that, that Jerry Stackhouse is going to roll with through these uh, final weeks of the season. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. And just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville. But he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is. It is a relaxing, friendly environment. So whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody. Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. 
His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. What did you make of all the extracurricular stuff, the flagrant ones, the the technicals, all that stuff? It looked like last night would have been a pretty interesting evening to have a courtside seat there. <laughs> yeah, courtside or maybe ringside uh, at times. But it, it was, like I say, it was a super physical game. And I think the officials wanted to go to great lengths to try to keep uh, anything from really getting out of hand. And I, it always feels like the officials, like their their greatest fear is that there will be some kind of fight and, and it will really go – you know, thing, things will escalate. But, yeah, I think they were just trying to keep it all under control. And it's one of those things you you can't call everything, as the saying goes. But, uh, yeah, there, there are a lot of fouls or those uh, flagrant ones that we saw. And, uh, yeah, I think those that, that crew was just trying to do their best to uh, to keep control. They went to the monitor a number of times. We had several reviews. So it was a game that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it felt like it didn't always have a great flow at times. But, um, yeah, it, it really, you know, for as physical as it was, there wasn't ever any real pushing and shoving or anything really dirty or nasty. Uh, it was just a, a physical basketball game. You're ready to hit the mailbag. Sure. Let's do it. Okay. Our mailbag is presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family owned injury law firm. If you are a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call that number 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Harley hog 44 asks if Liam Rodman, excuse me, <laughs> Liam Robbins and Rodney Chapman can return next year. Um, I, I believe they can. Um, I, I would, you know what the, the extra year that you got with the COVID year, it kind of opens things up a little bit. Um, I, I might have to double check that one, but I, I, I seem to think they can, uh, but I'd have to get a clarification on that. Uh, uh, you know, Liam Rodman would be uh, quite an interesting yes. uh, combination of player. But they could yeah, use a Liam I'd... Rodman. He'd <laughs> be a seven footer who does a lot of rebounding and, and it's some crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, Chapman is in his fifth year. Um, in fact, he started in 2016. I don't know if it was a red shirt in there or not. Um, I'm pretty sure Robbins can return. Um, but anyway, well, maybe we both need to do a little research on that. Um, Willie 2010, uh, this goes off the beaten path a little bit. You recently tweeted, by my calculations, the Bengals have more postseason wins the last three weeks than the Reds have the last 26 years. <laughs> Does that change when MLB returns? I, I, I'm not very confident of that. And, and if you kind of do a, a little deep thinking into that statement, it, it's even sadder as a Reds fan because you think about when you play in a baseball postseason, you have a lot more opportunities for wins. Uh, the, the Bengals have won three playoff games this this month. Uh, they won the one at home, and then they came here to Nashville and won, and then they won the AFC Championship out in Kansas City. Uh, the Reds have played in a, uh, a limited amount of postseasons since they, they won a series actually last back in 1995. Uh, the Reds were swept by the Phillies in 2010. I saw the clincher for the Phils uh, at Great American Ballpark. And then the uh, 2012 season saw the Reds win the first two against the Giants and then lose the next three, and then they lost in the one-game playoff against the Pirates the following year. So the Reds' only two postseason wins were in 2012 against the Giants out in San Francisco, and the Bengals have won three times in the last three weeks. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't make you feel very good if you're a Reds fan and you see that the uh, 
I guess if you're a Bengals fan, you're happy that uh, your team's in the Super Bowl for the first time since uh, the 88-89 season. But for the Reds, uh, it's been quite the drought in terms of uh, postseason victories. Yeah, you're leaving out one postseason series for the Reds. Yes, I'm trying to block out the uh, the 2020 <laughs> uh, two-game debacle against Oh, I'm, I'm not. We are yeah, – are- we yeah, are America's you know, playoff team the, now. The, the Bengals have scored more <laughs> points, in, you know, in, in like the last minute of the game at Kansas City than the, the Reds scored uh, in that entire series against the uh, Braves in terms of runs. Yeah, that that was not that was not a very good series. Now, did, did you grow up a Bengals fan? Uh, not really. It's funny. For as much as I love the Reds, I, I, I I'm always kind of lukewarm on the Bengals. Uh, you know, since I've been in Nashville, I follow the Titans a lot more. Um, I, I will say when the Bengals went to the Super Bowl a couple times in the 80s, and I lived in Kentucky back then, it was cool, uh, especially the first time. We lived in Louisville when uh, they beat the Chargers in the Freezer Bowl game and made it to the, the Super Bowl for the first time against the 49ers. You know, that's only about an hour and a half away from Cincinnati, so it was a really big deal um, to, to see them make it to the Super Bowl for the first time, like back when Ken Anderson was a quarterback and Chris Collinsworth was playing a receiver and, and he had Ross Browner and uh, gosh, I was thinking of Pete Johnson and, and people on that team that, that Forrest Gregg coached, and they lost to the 49ers, which the day of the Freezer Bowl was also the same day of the Dwight Clark catch uh, out in San Francisco in the Niners-Cowboys game uh, in the NFC Championship that day. And and then, and then later on in the decade, I was in high school, I was a senior when uh, the Bengals beat the uh, Bills to go to the Super Bowl for the second time, and they they lost to the 49ers again. I was rooting for a Bengals 49ers uh, round three yeah. uh, you know, the other day, but the, the Niners were actually the team that came up short. But yeah, it's uh, I wasn't necessarily a fan. I was kind of happy for them when they made it. You know, and it was cool to you know live close by when they, they made it to the Super Bowl for the first time. But I, I've been to a I went to a Bengals game or two at Riverfront Stadium, and I spent the whole time wishing that the Reds were playing instead. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. but I, you know, up in Lexington last night. It was funny to see people wearing Bengals gear at a, at a Kentucky yeah. game. You know, there are quite a few fans I saw wearing the uh, the Bengals colors and, and logo and stuff. So, uh, yeah, we'll see see them in their third Super Bowl here in a week or so. Now, now you do voice impersonations. Can you do dance impersonations? Dance impersonations? Come on, man, the icky shuffle. I might could do the icky shuffle actually. Remember when Dale Earnhardt or, or not Dale Earnhardt? Um, uh, Daryl Waltrip did the uh, icky shuffle after <laughs> I one of Daytona. That. That's great. That was, yeah, that was, boy, that was a season that didn't last long. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Daryl Waltrip, he, he was in victory lane at Daytona, and he, like, did the icky shuffle because it was right around the time they had been in the Super Bowl, and he, like, spiked yeah. his helmet. That, that was pretty funny. Um, Back to Vandy for just a minute. I think they got a shot against LSU. And I don't, I don't know. I can't decide if this is the right time to catch LSU or not. Um. Because they're reeling a little bit, they're kind of in a must-win, but they don't have Xavier Pinson. Well, they do have him, but he's wearing a knee brace and he's not the same guy. I don't. I feel like Vanderbilt's kind of due to win one of these big games at Memorial at some point. It's just been too long. I sort of think so too. I I'm, I think this might be a good spot. LSU it's not played very well. I believe they've lost four out of their last five, including against Ole Miss uh, on Tuesday. And uh, they're one of those teams, though. I mean, they, they can be really good. And the thing is, that's crazy about uh, LSU is how much better they are defensively this season than, than they have been in the uh, previous seasons. Uh, they've really done a good job in that department. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, I, I think if Vanderbilt can give you the kind of performance that they did at Kentucky, uh, they'll have a chance to to win some of these games in, in February. In fact, most of these games, you could play like that and 
Um, just just be that tough. I, I think the toughness that Vanderbilt showed up in Lexington uh, was really impressive and uh, like to see that throughout this month of February, which is going to be really difficult. I mean, you look at what all's ahead. Uh, you got LSU. They'll play Missouri next week. And then you have the return game at Tennessee. You got Auburn coming up on the road. Um, it, it's going to be a tough stretch uh, ahead in this month of February and early March as you wrap up the regular season here. Yeah, the league from top to bottom is as good as it's been in a long time. Yeah, I would agree with that. It, it, there, there are just no easy games for anybody um, in this league. It, it doesn't feel like you know, Georgia feels like it's maybe a little, little farther behind, but you know they they pop up and beat Alabama last week, which to me was just crazy. Alabama has been really hard to figure out. Vanderbilt will see them and. February as well. So yeah, it's, it's a tough league. Uh, uh, the, the teams that maybe weren't as good last year have improved and, you know, Kentucky's back to being Kentucky. Auburn's ranked number one in the country and deservedly. So they're, they're, they're clearly the best team in the country. If you ask me. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough row uh, every week. Any parting thoughts today? Um, I don't guess so, Chris. Uh, we'll have the game on Saturday. Uh, it'll be a five o'clock start. We'll have four thirty pregame. Uh, the Vanderbilt Sports Network. It's going to be Shane Foster Jersey Retirement Day, so um, yeah, that, that'll be a, a fun and, and special thing to be a part of, and uh, be out at Memorial Gym. So hopefully, a, a big crowd to see the, the Commodores and the Bayou Bengals uh, tee it up. Yeah, and that's that's Shane's home state to Louisiana, of course. Yeah, so. I think that's why they chose that one. Yeah, that, that makes all the sense. Yep. I'm, I'm putting two and two together at the last minute here. So, uh-huh. um, hey, Kevin, thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you again in two weeks. And Man, next time you come on, it'll be the, the week that baseball starts. So I'm looking forward to that for sure. Yeah, I'm talking uh, Commodores and Cowboys here in a couple of weeks. All right. Thanks, Kevin. We'll see you soon. Anytime, Chris. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, vandysports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at vandysports.com. Follow me at chrislee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.